0: Hey, 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 we're back, listeners. I hope you're not feeling too bloated from this past Thanksgiving week. If you're like me, I know you've had more than one to clear off your holiday schedule. We're headed now into December, and our guest of the week is an exciting one, the internationally known Seattle-based glassblowing sculpture artist Preston Singletary. whose fantastic new immersive exhibit is now open at the Oklahoma City Museum of Art. We'll tell you more about that in a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. You are called to be bold. You have a right to the best wireless service, high-speed internet, and customer service at a price that you can feel good about. At Bravado Wireless, we know this, and that's why we put you and your community first. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. So now for question of the week. uh, This one on its surface, simple, but also deep and cosmically significant. We're asking what inspires you what motivates you full disclosure this one didn't make it to social media in time to record this because we had to accommodate for the holidays but i'd be fascinated to hear your answers so please email them in afterwards
1: absolutely if we get any really good ones we should share them next week yes yeah
0: for sure because it's a good question um nathan what inspires you boy
1: this is a hard one um nothing Huh. uh no um I think well, I, thought, so,
0: I have so many answers mm-hmm.
1: I do too that's the thing I mean things like uh i the first thing I thought of was um the phrase "Labor Omni Events" at the unofficial mm, state wow, seal. That's... Hard work inspires me. I like that um, because hard work. I always say that I'm I'm an enthusiasm enthusiast. Like I get really excited when someone's excited about something, and I want It makes me curious. I want to know more about it. And so, to me, when someone's working hard at something, it means they care. And people caring about things inspires me. Um, and when you can see the fruits of that caring in the form of hard work. Um, and that can be something as simple as like a skill. You know, like someone takes time to practice and build a skill, like playing the banjo. You know what I mean? Like, uh, is more than just talent. It takes work to develop. So mm-hmm. that that inspires me. Um, and then just kind of the wonders of the universe. Science inspires me, you know, like thinking about how small we are and how much is out there that we still don't know and still to learn. and. Um, I don't know. I just feel pulled forward by all of those, by curiosity, you know? Um, so that inspires
0: me. These are, these are good answers. You seem, uh, so esoteric, like (laughs) inspired by my class, (laughs) you seem inspired by (laughs) learning. I am. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm very inspired by
1: learning. And I think more than that, I'm just inspired by, by the world and the universe. It's, Mm -hmm. and so I want to know more about it. The fact that we exist at all and that any of this exists is cool. And we're here to
0: see it for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Carly, your board managing editor.
2: Um, this is a really good question, and I'm so proud of myself for coming up with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I would. Uh, there, like Nathan said, I have a, like a ton of answers to this because a lot of things inspire me. But I think the thing I'm most inspired by is uh, nature animals Mm. trees Mm. uh you know things like that like i we took a walk yesterday and like i was just like marveling at the the leaves on the ground Mm. and the patterns that they make and stuff like that and just like being able to find inspiration in something that it just exists on its own it has no it has no purpose other than just to be and i just love that yeah i like Mm -hmm.
1: that
3: that's a good answer
0: yeah that is a really good answer uh megan rossman photo editor
3: um, I've always found a lot of inspiration uh, in the night sky, the stars mm. and the moon. Uh, that's something that I used to do, stand outside with my dad, and we mm. would. it would lead to all so- sorts of conversations. But I think what that kind of ties into is um, feeling inspired by beauty mm. and not just uh, superficial beauty, but finding the beauty in things that maybe not, are not outwardly beautiful necessarily mm. finding the beauty in situations or concepts or just i don't know i feel like i'm really driven by my my desire to to beautify things, to have mm. things around me be beautiful, even though you can't really tell by my clothes today, uh-huh. or my house a lot
2: of the time. <laughs> Megan, you're beautiful you look fantastic. every day. The whole
3: mess that I spilled all over <laughs> my porch the other day and still haven't cleaned up. Um, but I am inspired, I'm inspired by There's
1: beauty. There's beauty in that, too. Uh-huh. There's yeah. beauty
3: in everything uh-huh. Uh-huh. that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just call it art. Just yeah. say it's art. It looks like. It looks Spilled
1: like, hummus, Megan Rossman, uh-huh. mixed media.
3: It looks like one of the cats threw up <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and I keep walking past it. I'm like, I need to do something about that, but not right now.
2: <laughs> and that's beautiful.
3: And, really beautiful. Yeah, I uh-huh. am inspired. Yeah. I, ben, what inspired? <laughs> what
2: inspired? <laughs> that went in a, in a direction no one expected. <laughs> is, what yeah.
3: inspires
1: me is Megan Rossman every well, day of the know, world.
0: Uh, I was going to say this for last, but seriously, I mean, I think you all inspire me just working with the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I think just ca- everyone here is uh, so, I love that. C- so creative, uh, good at their jobs. Um, so when everyone's performing at such a high level, I mean, it sort of inspires you to sort of rise up and meet that so, I like that yes I like that um I I feel like I'm just going to echo what everyone already said uh in some way but um uh, cre- creativity inspires me yeah. seeing um people who are passionate uh artists and creators um doing their work um sort of challenging the, the conventions of how a medium is supposed to work yeah. like that. That really yeah. inspires me.
1: Even just having the courage to put something out there. Yeah. I yeah. think really, I mean, cause it's hard. It's hard to put yourself out, like put work, creative work out there and let it be judged by the world. It's overcoming really
0: the fear of rejection.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Seriously.
0: I mean, uh, that's something that I deal with all the time.
1: These so. are really hard things. Yeah. These are really, really hard things. Yeah.
0: Um, and then also we, it's been mentioned, but the, the beauty of nature, yeah. um, so many just drives through the state. I mean, yeah, seeing all the the diversity in the landscape. Uh, it's, it's so cliche, but just to see the sunset. The other day, I saw the sunset um, in front of a, a Brahms. It was very beautiful. <laughs> I took a picture Brahms of it. The Brahms inspires me. The Brahms does Brahms inspire inspires. me. Okay. Brahms inspires well, create, me. Creative people pushing the uh, conventions of their, their media, like I said. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's true,
1: though. It's a good question. Good yes. question,
0: Carly. Thank you. Very good it question. It is a good question. Carly, did Carly come up with this question? I did. Okay. It was very well, good. good. Good job, Carly. Thank yeah,
1: you. nice. We like
3: it.
0: Well, the reason for uh, it, the, it was partly inspired by our guest today, Preston Singletary. <laughs> Uh, whose new exhibit at the Oklahoma City Museum of Art is titled Preston Singletary, Raven and the Box of Daylight. Preston is ancestrally part of the Tlingit, first American nation from the Alaskan and Pacific Northwest areas. This exhibit brings to life one of the oldest Tlingit stories with a walkthrough audio-visual experience that is truly one-of-a-kind. Nathan and I got the chance to sit down with Preston. Let's go ahead and play that interview, and then we can reconvene once it's over. So we're here at the Oklahoma City Museum of Art today for the opening of Preston Singletary, Raven and the Box of Daylight, which is uh, open now, so come and see it. And we are thrilled to have... Preston Singletary himself here, the artist today himself. With us. This yes. is exciting. Thank you for yeah. joining us.
4: Thank you, thank mm-hmm. you.
0: So I know the exhibit is based on the uh, ancestral uh, uh story about uh, the raven and how the raven brings um, the the moon and the stars and the sun. Spoiler alert. Uh, to to the world, yeah. yes. Um, so I was curious, where did you? Do you remember first hearing the story for the first time? And could you sort of briefly walk the listeners through that story?
4: Oh boy, yeah, that's a whole mouthful there. But uh, you know, I, I, it's probably one of the uh, best-known stories of the Tlingit culture. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's several cultures, like the Haida, even all the way up into the north, uh, northern part of Alaska. There's stories about Raven. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so when I started to study my own culture through books, that's where I discovered the story. I grew up in Seattle, outside of the Tlingit Territory, um, which is in the southern part of Alaska. We call it Southeast Alaska, and it was specifically Sitka, was is an mm-hmm. island off the coast of Alaska. Um, and so, <laughs> anyways, I... Uh, I started to work with aspects of this story in many different forms, you know, as I was developing as an artist and I would make ravens and eagles and, you know, you know, usually in flat 2D design, but then I became more sculptural. But um, kind of in a nutshell, it's a, it's a very elaborate story that um, I'll try to distill it down to the key uh, points. But so Raven, this is the beginning of time. The world is in darkness. Um, and uh, Raven is a white bird and he goes to the fishermen of the night um, as they're called and he asks where's the daylight um, so they tell him the fishermen tell him of this old man that has this these treasures the daylight in his clan house he goes to the old man asks to you know come and visit and say hey you why know, don't you let me in I can you know visit with you and he's like oh no he shoes the raven off and says you know won't allow him into the clan house so um so he devises a plan he transforms himself into a speck of dirt he's discovered they uh uh they uh you know he tries to float into the cup of the daughter uh the chief's the old man's daughter and they discover the dirt they toss it out Raven goes back, he reformulates his plan, he changes himself this time into a hemlock needle, floats down this little um, uh, natural spring, daughter scoops it up, doesn't see the hemlock needle, she swallows it, now Raven is inside of her, and he transforms himself again into a human child, Hmm. so she becomes pregnant, and you know the father's like oh you're pregnant Uh, how did that happen (laughs) right you know she has no husband right but she's pregnant nonetheless and so she eventually gives birth to Raven in the form of a human child um, and this little boy, is the grandson of the old man. He just loves and dotes on this boy all the time. He's very mischievous and uh, precocious, and so he's you know always rooting around and he's looking for you know this this uh, this daylight. But first, he discovers the box with the stars, and he th- tosses them up into this you know into the sky through the smoke hole in the center of the clan house. Then, you know, same thing with the moon. Each time he's, you know, he's punished, reprimanded, he's, like, you know, scolded, and um, so when he's pointing to the third box, the box that contains the sun, the old man's like, no way, no way, not that one. And so he fusses and cries and screams and refuses to eat, and he becomes weak and frail, and, you know, the daughter goes to the old, her father, you know. Is there anything more important than your grandson? I is, you know, of course you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he puts the box down and says, "Don't open the box." Um, so he he's at this point, this child is tired of being in human form. He opens up the box. He grabs the sun. He, you know, tries to escape. The old man realizes instantly he was fooled. The instructs the men of the household to grab onto the raven, you know, catch him, so they're holding onto his tail and they hold him over the fire and they throw pitch onto the onto the fire and this smoke turns the raven black, from white to black.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Eventually he escapes and he breaks daylight on the on the world and all of a sudden this flash of light Everybody's like startled. You know, some of them run off into the forest. Some of them run off. You know, jump into the water. Some of them jump into the sky. They become the the animals of that realm. You know, from the forest to the sea to the sky. And people who stood there, you know, you know the one version of the story is you know they stood up strong and
1: proud and they became the human
4: beings. You know, yes, there
1: was a or, line. In the, there was a line in the writing. <laughs> I took a photo of it. Let me pull it up on my phone. <clears throat> that said. Um, Oh shoot! No, I'm gonna. It was uh, those who remain strong and stubborn, and stubborns and princes became yep. human people.
4: Yeah, I loved that line. That was so good. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know the other you know version is like. Uh Those who stood there bewildered and didn't know what to do became the human beings, right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: I definitely became this human being, right here. Yeah, right. That's funny. So,
4: (laughs) you know, so that's kind of the uh, the story in uh, in a Mm -hmm. a nutshell. And you know, so the the final uh, installation room, you see all these human figures with all these different animal figures that are on the hats and you know carved into the faces, um, like, like. Little face painting designs. Yeah. And so those represent the different realms from the the sky the sea, the forest, and then the human realm. And over time, these symbols were adopted to represent families. So for instance, my family is represented by the killer whale,
1: Mm.
4: Okay. Uh, and come from the eagle moiety. So the tribe is split into two halves. You got eagle and raven, and under each eagle or raven, you've got different crest symbols that represent the families.
1: Okay, I remember seeing uh, in the very last part of the exhibit, there was one specific there was a, a lot of busts mm-hmm. and one of them was called orca man i believe was that yeah. was that your
4: yeah okay so that was kind of representative you know i took three of each realm you know three from the forest three from the water three from the skies so we got thunderbird raven eagle um you know and then the human realm
1: yeah i love yeah. that part um something i noticed about the the exhibit is that or something I was curious about, I guess, is were the pieces within it, were they created as all part of telling this story, or are they disparate pieces that you made that you then curated into this narrative?
4: No, I I went in... Specific so you know to back up I, I met this elder named Walter Porter who is a Clinkett elder or was a Clinkett elder he passed away um, we started to work together for a few years um, back in late you know I don't know two thousand eight or so and a previous museum show that I had that would had the you know the good. Uh, Fortune of traveling. We we would travel with the show and we'd give presentations about cultural stories. And so he was he considered himself more of a mythologist. He would take the clinkett stories and he would break them down into the archetypes and he would start to use that as you know you know f- comparing it to theology and and mythologies other mythologies uh, yeah. so so like in a joseph campbell kind of way he he kind of did that i call him the clink of joseph campbell but he was <laughs> yeah. uh so anyway so we did that we talked about doing this show and then he passed away unfortunately yeah. in like two 2000- thousand. 12 or 13 or something Mm -hmm. before we were actually able to realize the show Um, and yet so I was kind of left you know to sort of kind of sweep up the you Mm know you know, try to retain whatever, I, you know, hope that I had paid attention enough to sort of do his work justice because yeah. he encouraged me to share it with as broad an audience as I could because uh, he wasn't a writer. He was an oral, uh, you know, he was a orator. He yeah. was, uh, you know, we come from a, um, an oral tradition, and mm-hmm. so he didn't write things down. He just spoke, and he would captivate everybody with his concepts, and it was just amazing, you know, he was like a you know, a preacher on a you know on a pulpit, you know, it's just and you just get everybody, you know, responding and interacting and stuff and it was fascinating. Hmm. Um so uh after he passed away, I immediately thought of Miranda Bellardi Lewis, the curator who I worked with to do the show. Because I was aware of her work and in, in um and she's a, a professor at the University of Washington today and she um, um, I just admired the work that she had done and so I thought she'd be perfect uh, to work with me on the show and that's so we, we got to work on that three years later about we we put the show together mm-hmm. wow yeah and so it really was uh, a concentrated effort during that period of time um, which I always say was in my spare time because you know I was trying to make a living and try to keep my studio rolling right. and mm-hmm. you know glass blowing there's a lot of Overhead, and I got yeah. I have four employees. I've got uh, people helping me, you know, do what I do and and make the pieces, uh, or you know, finish them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll draw on everything, and then they'll help me with the next stages of the yeah. cutting of the stencil and the sandblasting, and then they go out to. You know metal workers for making mounts and then photography and shipping and the whole nine yards so yeah so there's a lot there's a lot of steps in the process and um i think that answers the question yes i think so absolutely (laughs) well
0: walking through the uh walking through it all it felt like I was in a movie, like, uh, living, like, sort of a a dream sequence in a movie or something like that. Um, Very immersive. And it helped the story come alive for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, so, uh, you personally seeing it, being familiar with the story, like, seeing it all together, um, did did you have any revelations on the story yourself, seeing it in this new light?
4: Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, there was a lot of epiphanies and learning along the way and speaking with other people about the stories, other elders, you know, we, we kind of amalgamated, you know, two, three or four different stories to and used aspect, aspects of each story. And it's, it's not incorrect. It's just, you know, we were, you know, certain stories make bigger points or, or more emphasis on certain things. So, We wanted to kind of really kind of give it as a robust kind of presentation as we could Mm -hmm. um you know the the whole video and i mean because i am a musician i i love you know including soundtracks soundscapes so you can hear like clinking language and you know Mm -hmm. telling stories about ravens so i just wanted to have that element of surprise like you know what is this where am i you know Mm -hmm. and you know and then the backdrops you know to have um you know the sweeping video that has a little bit of motion to it and um or animating the that hat so you know kind of giving the idea that there's there's a transformation going on here you know
1: when raven is assuming different forms
4: Hmm.
1: yeah it's a very that's what i that's one thing i love too is it's very kinetic kind of installation and that you you feel sort of carried along by it you know and it did it felt like for me it yeah. felt like walking through a children's book a little bit yeah. you know like yeah. i would love I, I would love to like and i'm wondering if you've as you kind of put this together have you seen i'm curious i guess what what some of the reactions that you've seen to this have been and what they what, they, what that's been like for you have,
4: yeah i mean people have you know had like really emotional responses to it um yeah have you have any clinket
0: um people have that's you heard great. From that's them? a good
4: question yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I've, I've had uh people um you know from my community come down and uh be a part of the opening exhibition um and uh kind of celebrate it you know we you know we usually do like a um cultural presentation before the opening and um when we can and that is uh yeah so that's one thing that Yeah, but it's a fair question because uh, the Clinkett community, um, you know, rather conservative in a lot of ways. I mean, I mean, either from, you know, from an intellectual property standpoint, you Mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of these stories and symbols go back to clan, um, clan Mm -hmm. uh, or specific families, you know, Um, and so. Even the stories and the songs and the dances could be owned by certain families. they can be given away, but sometimes you know, there's kind of a little bit touch and go there. but um, more moreover, I think people are just when they see when I bring my work back up into Alaska and I show, My community, what I've done, they're they're just they're more applauding it. Like it's Mm -hmm. they're excited to see something different, something new. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a lot of lot of um, support from from there, and I and I go up there quite a bit now, Um, and I'm working with a cultural arts institution that Mm -hmm. is helping figure out how to preserve the um, the art forms and in in all their forms, you know from wood carving, to weaving, to designing, to, you know, everything.
0: Yeah. -hmm. Is this your first time uh, exhibiting in Oklahoma? Uh,
4: Yeah, well, I mean, the first time I came here, I did a piece for St. Paul's Cathedral. Mm. Um, I was commissioned to come out and do a thing. you know when the renovation was happening after the the bombing yeah um, mm-hmm. so they rebuilt it and then they said they really wanted to um uh celebrate this uh, reverend ochre hater who was uh, yeah yeah so so they had me out and i reviewed you know with you know the the folks at the church um i was kind of nervous i didn't I'm not a churchgoer, so I was like, "Oh, how do I navigate this?" <laughs> yeah. But they were really—I mean, I was like, after you know five minutes, it was like, "Oh, you know, what am I worried about here?" You know. Yeah. So they—they they had a, and and so they identified more or less what they where they were suggesting me to use this glyph that basically is you know synonymous with him who he was, and it was, it's kind of a sweat lodge symbol, looks like an old petroglyph type thing, and so I. I made the piece on this piece of glass, you know, I made the design on a piece of glass and put it up in the window and, you know, it's still there.
1: Mm -hmm. That's awesome.
4: So that was the first time. That was about 20 years ago, I believe. Yeah. Kind of lost track, but. Yes. That's cool.
1: Have you thought at all, uh, or has it, what have you thought, I guess, about exhibiting this I'm curious about exhibiting this ex- exhibition here in Oklahoma where there is such yeah. native culture and, such, and right. such a nexus of native yeah. and indigenous things and people like what is that How is? because it's something that it's a native culture that doesn't exist in Oklahoma right? Like, exactly
4: yeah. I mean it's definitely a different uh, cultural style the designs and all the all the symbolism are completely different than what's yeah. out here um, but no it's a great opportunity I mean I think it's such a historic region uh, There's a, there's this kind of unity within the community as a big native population from, you know, many different tribes. And I was over at FAM yesterday and I got a kind of a grand tour and, you know, um, a really great um, presentation about you know, what their what their objective was and what they're doing and the work that they're trying to do there. And it was really impressive. I mean, it was really great. So I love to be able to share it with, uh, you know, the broader Native community in general. Yeah. So this is a great opportunity and um, yeah, really an honor
0: to be here. That's very cool. Well, well storytelling is um, an important part of a lot of Native traditions. Um, did you find that uh it seems to me that the immersive art style would lend itself well to that kind of storytelling mm-hmm. format? Uh did it seem like a natural fit to you or was it maybe more challenging to put it together than you thought?
4: <laughs> I mean, it was a little challenging in a lot of ways, you know. I I tried some new um approaches like the canoe form. You know, I'd never really made a piece like that before. You know how are we going to show the river? You know, I mean, all of these things. You know, I, I had ideas of what how it would be. Um, sometimes I had to modify it or change it, and so it was a lot of exploration, a lot of trial and error. Um, some components that we did just didn't get around to including. Um, I mean, the fact the fact is that a lot of um, a lot of masks and. Um, objects are used as stagecraft in the first place, you know, Mm -hmm. for storytelling. So, you know, for me, I just kind of expanded on that and I tried to figure out, okay, how do we display it to, you know, to convey the feeling of, of uh, you know, okay, entering into the clan house. And so fortunately, the gallery was set up in such a way that, you know, you are walking through the thread of the story and you can kind of contemplate each section and and uh, spend time in each section and get something different out of
1: it. mm mm-hmm i'm curious who who what artists inspire you who who have you looked to in your in your career and in your life like yeah i mean
4: you know i didn't go to art school i i fell into glass blowing. i mean there's a lot of glass blowers yeah. who of course you know right dale chihuly not you know i mean he's uh, definitely right in there he's yeah. kind of our fearless leader uh-huh. you know he paved the way for us all and you know, I wouldn't be here without him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, his work is very different right than mine. Is, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, uh, of course, all my contemporaries that I work with. But then. if you you go back the only uh real interest i had in art you know started with surrealism Mm. you know because that kind of like uh you know uh deals a lot with uh mysticism and sort of psychoanalysis and you know so there's the psychology involved and there's like you know uh that's something that's always fascinated me um when i you know got into looking at surrealism there was like there's like this symbolism within you know a lot of the work that um, you know has uh, some, something you have to you have to kind of seek out and figure out so yeah. I always kind of liked that aspect of it. I was wondering if I could kind of you know, bring that into my own work. And that's when I started working with multimedia and trying to create, you know, sort of a surprise uh, attack on, you know, the viewer, you know. Um, Uh. You know, and then then it became like uh, primitivism, you know, which was the modernists that really um, were appropriating Native art and African art, Oceanic art. Um, You know, and what I come to realize is that they felt like this, you know, this work from these older cultures were imbued with like a a deep, significant spirituality and sometimes it was ceremonial, but it was also trying to, you know, uh, deal with, you know, Human relationship to the cosmos and stuff like that. So I, I like that, that kind of thought process, you know, and then when you get into the mythology and the symbolism behind it, then it, it gets much, much deeper and specific. So that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to share uh, the metaphors within the stories and um, you know use it as a as a tool and and also just make a case for these ancient mythologies to say you know they there's still something to be learned okay. from these stories you know yeah, they're absolutely. all there you know before we had movies and dvds you could watch over and over and over you know this was this was our form of entertainment and mm-hmm. those are the things that you know uh it you know the the community depended on these stories to to teach values to teach you know uh, there are deep deep teachings in these stories about you know not respecting the t- taboos or you know stories of forgiveness or uh, stopping the cycle of violence or you know uh, just just anything seeking enlightenment yeah. you know mm-hmm. I mean. As, you know it has to it's kind of um, you know when I talk about the uh, the daughter who's you know pregnant who has no husband though that's the immaculate conception yeah, mix, right. you know and some people get upset when I use that they're like well you can't use that that belongs to Jesus you know <laughs> huh. uh, and, uh, and I'm like but there's stories like that in cultures across across
0: across religions across the world and I think it's amazing how they do overlap yeah because it speaks to some commonality between cultures exactly I mean pretty much every
4: religion you know the prophet or whatever is is born
1: of a virgin and yeah. it's not exclusive to any you yeah know. well and they used to say that about a lot of the caesars too you know and they would tell, oh she was you know virgin born caesar right. of rome yeah so it's a thing right yeah that's so that's fascinating it's interesting that like that details like that like something like the idea of, of an immaculate conception right of a mm-hmm. <clears throat> can obviously just arose spontaneously like Klingon people didn't take that from Christianity. Christianity didn't take it from Klingon people. Like yep. it, right. it just this is an idea that humans yeah. have had throughout exactly. history. Exactly,
4: it, it was. I mean, it's like we all arrived at the same place, but through different methods. You know, and uh, you know, even the even the birth within the story is like you know the the typically the births are you know would be birthed onto these fine furs, you know. Yeah. And so she <laughs> like was having the a hard time giving, you know, giving birth, and so they swap it out and put goat's beard moss instead. Mm. You know, they were instructed by a medicine woman, and then, then the, the baby was born yeah. not easily. And that signifies a humble birth, right? You know, yeah. not on the furs, but on, yeah. you know, more of you know
1: yeah again the manger is a you know a yeah. comparison yeah same yep. thing um, and what I what I loved too is that there's such a Pandora's box or Prometheus kind of part to this story too right mm-hmm. this is how we got I mean even the images of boxes opening and new things coming mm. out of them immediately right. made me think of Pandora right right you know? yeah
4: and then, and too it's sort of like um, in this sort of this sort of boxed up you know wisdom or knowledge right so with each you know stars moon and sun there's there's symbolism behind those elements there's um you know and and you know that's the stories like raven often you know in these stories he sets off to do one thing and he kind of fails up, you know, he, like he tried to do one thing, but it yeah. didn't work. And then now that we have, this is what we have. So that's kind of fascinating, too, because he's like this, um, you know, he didn't, he's not a creator. He didn't create the world, but he yeah. brought order to the world. So yeah. the things that he did made the world the way it is today or, you know, helped shape yeah. the way the world is
1: today. And I thought so. it was such a beautiful thing that as he did that. For me, the the really the most beautiful part of the story was for me that it seemed like when the story starts, he's such an outsider in the world. He's looking for a way to belong, right? And he tries and tries and tries, and he finally sort of becomes, not becomes the world, but belongs in this major yep. way. Yeah, I mean, he is
4: like, you know, he's often driven by hunger. You know, he's always yeah. trying to find something to eat. <laughs> and he's always like, you know, kind of tricking people into doing his bidding or you know and so he's you know he's the, the, you know the trickster in, in every there's a trickster figure in every yeah. you know native culture indigenous culture right? I mean from a it's a global concept mm-hmm. you know so um, and you know he kind of embodies all of the you know the best and the worst things of people you know he, he sometimes he's conniving sometimes he's benevolent sometimes he's you know he's got a He's got to, like, make an alliance, you know? So he's, like, all of these
0: things. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, just a reminder for the listeners, the exhibit is Preston Singletary, Raven and the Box of Daylight. It's open now, and it will be open through April 28th. Uh, Nathan, did you have anything else? Go see it. Yes.
1: It's so good. I should say, come see it since we're sitting here. But it's go see it. It's it's a fantastic,
0: very fantastic unique, yeah. um, immersive experience. Highly recommended. Yeah, bring your kids. Bring everybody. Yes. Yeah. Preston, thank you so much. Thank for you. Joining thank you. Us. This episode is brought to you by the Oklahoma Museums Association, dedicated to empowering the more than five hundred museums across Oklahoma to strengthen their offerings and serve their communities. OMA members are an important part the collective oklahoma museum voice members receive access to a variety of resources to help them co- connect to the museum profession more information is available at okmuseums.org it's such a great exhibit
1: it's yeah. so yeah. good it's so 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 good if you go to the oklahoma city museum of art once this year come for this yes well I'm, i mean you should come all the time
0: but <laughs> i'm glad that we got the chance to talk to Preston, but Megan, you also uh, got to experience the exhibit. I did. Uh, did you have any impressions from that?
3: Well, I thought that it was interesting um, what Brian said.
1: Brian Chambers, yes. our friend Brian Chambers. Thank you. I <laughs> yeah. blanked
3: on his, Brian's last name for a minute. Um, <laughs> from the
1: Museum of Art. Yeah.
3: Well, he was talking about how it's kind of uh, it. The photographs do not
0: do it justice. No, um, you have to experience it to really experience yeah, it. Yeah. yeah,
3: Walking through, there's a room where it has all these different sculptures all in mm-hmm. rows. And walking through there was just, it was really, it was much more of an experiential exhibit than I anticipated. Like yeah. you were walking through it, you were a part of it. And um, yeah. I loved it. It's a it's a it's an exhibit it's a it's a great exhibit
1: that takes you out a little bit out of the role of just observer. Yeah. Most a bit, most yeah. exhibits you are your role is just to see and uh-huh. to behold and to think, but you're kind of part of the story. You're in kind this. of within it. And yeah. The story. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just I felt very and I, very, and I like think that. I said this even in the interview, but it felt very kinetic to me. I felt very carried along. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Like.
1: I don't know. Like it felt like it almost, you could almost feel like a current of the story carrying you through the exhibit in a way that felt very natural and very well done.
3: Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And the work
1: is gorgeous. It was gorgeous work.
3: I, I don't know how people make things like that with their hands, he's got
1: a whole workshop. Of people that that help him at uh, that help oh, him and yeah, do okay. stuff with him. Just so like I mean, just like Chihuly, I mean, glass artists. Uh, you know, glass artists in general always have a whole workshop yeah. of people. But um, yes, it's, and
0: uh, it's open now and will be throughout the holiday season. So I think it's a perfect thing if you have people from out of town. Yeah, definitely
1: in. go yeah, see it. Absolutely. And also, we'd be remiss not to say that the Oklahoma City Museum of Art store has been renovated uh, yes. and expanded. Uh-huh. They're in the old restaurant space uh-huh. at the museum, and boy, oh boy, is that a good place to do some Christmas oh, shopping. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. and cow. you
2: can pick up a croissant from ganache the while you're shopping. Ganache Patisserie too, is
1: doing the so. food. Mm-hmm. Yep, they have some good cocktails that they're doing in there now, so go in there and have a cocktail or two and really, really just punish your credit card yeah. <laughs> this holiday season. It's going to get gonna, it
2: anyway. You might as well sure. do it at the, You might as well <laughs> the support museum. the Museum
1: of Art. Uh-huh. I, I really do. I love that store. I like, I. oh my gosh, I love it so much.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: Uh, well, it's once again time to plumb the depths of Travel uh, travelok.com's calendar for our weekly pod vents. Is there anyone who would like to go first?
2: I'll go first.
0: Thank you, Carly.
2: You're welcome. Let's be honest if you have a complicated relationship with your family, Christmas can be a very stressful time. All the cooking, cleaning, decorating, shopping, wrapping, and talking to do for (laughs) and with your loved ones (laughs) who aren't always the best at showing their gratitude but the people of Glenpool understand their black gold Christmas on December 3rd has all the fun of the holidays with the added bonus of not happening inside your own home. Instead at black gold park, folks can help or just watch Christmas trees being decorated, catch some candy at the parade, listen to carols and take photos with Santa, which is a perfect time to ask the big guy for some PTO, even though that's probably not something he can wrap. There also will be food prepared by someone else And the uh, lighting of the Mayor's Christmas tree. Then you and your family can go home to your separate houses. It's really the perfect Yuletide compromise, and it's free. Check out glenpoolchamberorg slash blackgold-christmas for more info. That's another one you can just Google, black gold Christmas in yes. Glenpool, and you'll find yeah. it. That sounds like fun, though. It does sound like, yeah. I love all of the Christmas trappings without the mess yes. having to clean up that afterwards. That is so
0: nice. Mm-hmm. That is so nice.
2: And it's free, which is not something that happens very often around Christmas. Yeah, it's All also Three's
0: true. my favorite. <laughs> right, totally. Uh, photo editor, Megan Rossman.
3: Although I am familiar with the soundtrack, primarily the hit song, I've Had the Time of My Life, <laughs> I have never <laughs> seen the 1987 film, Dirty Dancing. Oh, me either.
2: Me either. Y'all.
0: <laughs> do we need to have a viewing
2: party? I, it sounds like it. What?
0: No, never well, seen it. Megan, tell it. us I more. I feel like oh. I failed you. Wow, well, well, but I do
3: know... <clears throat> that it has inspired generations of viewers like Nathan <laughs> uh,
1: bet, are I mean, you a... I don't know if, I don't know if it's on the list of things that inspired, inspired
3: generations <laughs> Well, he I have seen Nathan the film. is among <laughs> the generations who have seen it
1: I have seen the film
3: yeah. so <laughs> at, there is a dirty dancing festival in North Carolina and oh. it's influenced countless party themes and screenwriters so on November 28th guests at Rose State College in Midwest City will revel in the romance of Baby and Johnny as they cut a rug through a forbidden summer romance that culminates an apparent defying dance scene that the whole crowd joins in on because this is an 80s movie. Yeah. <laughs> you might find yourself rising from your chair in solidarity to dazzle fellow theater goers with your own jazzy hip thrusts. For more information, visit okciviccenter.com in the 80s, we all just knew the choreography. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I know Baby and Johnny, like, these are characters I no, know. No, I, I know, like, so I know all these it's references. So the it's yeah. But, yeah. yeah,
3: I've just never, like, I, I used, my friend had a soundtrack that we used to listen yeah. to, oh, and yeah. i like, That soundtrack was huge. I've just, I've never seen the movie though, but I do love the idea of being so excited about things that you just start crusting your (laughs) hips.
1: That was the movie that gave Patrick Swayze a hit on the Billboard Hot 100. She's mm-hmm. like the wind. I mean, oh. Okay. Yeah. Huh. That was Patrick Swayze singing that song. It's
3: you, You've had, or I've had the time of my life is yeah. just the thing that I just always remember. Well, remembered. and the
1: endless memes of the last dance scene remixed to different songs. The best one being the Muppets show theme. <laughs>
2: oh, I've never watched. Oh. <laughs> I know, but I just should. Just
1: look up Dirty Dancing Muppet show and watch that video. Well, and, that's and
0: that's nobody true. puts baby in a corner. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> Velociraptors.
0: Nathan, um, Dirty Dancing super fan, what is your...
1: Oh. <laughs> I just will say that I am... <clears throat> my worldview does not contain a, a life in which people randomly break into songs. Uh. So um, it's, not, it's not the movie for me, but if you love it, I I love you. Uh, so my podcast event this week is the Minko Hunky.
3: H- Hunky. <laughs> uh. Thing about Dirty Dancing, <laughs> leave it in. Uh. The Minko Honey Festival.
1: Honey? Because I'm a teenager. <laughs> I'm having troubles this morning. So my... Podvent this week is the Minko Honey Festival, which sounds like a lot of fun, and it was a mouthful, apparently, but it got me curious about honey, so I looked up some facts about honey. For instance, the Apis mellifera, or honeybee, is Oklahoma's state insect. That's one you probably knew. The average worker honeybee only, in their whole life, only makes a twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. Wow.
2: I know. That's your whole
1: life's work, is one twelfth of one teaspoon of honey. Um, But honey keeps very well. A pot of honey was found in King Tut's tomb, still in good condition. And Honey was the third Mariah Carey single to debut at the top of the Billboard Hot 100. So there's a nice fact about honey. Mm. Um, If all of this has given you a taste for a bit of ooh, honey, honey, head to the Minko Honey Festival Saturday, December 2nd. You can tour the state's largest honey production facility, the Ross Honey Plant, Mm. um, which opened in 1935, and learn all about making honey. Plus, they have a gift shop, and you guys know I'm a sucker for a gift shop. Mm. Uh, After the tour, you can hang out for an old-fashioned Christmas celebration with Santa Claus, a craft show, a kitty tractor pole, and free samples of local dairy products like milk and cheese. Plus, we hear tell that Oklahoma's own son of a beekeeper, Lucas Ross, mm-hmm. him of the banjo playing on Channel 4, will be making an appearance as well. For more information, call 405-352-0518 or visit minko-ok.com.
2: What do you think they sell at that Ross plant gift shop?
1: Honey products. Yeah. Maybe oh. some beeswax candles. Maybe some <laughs> Burt's Bees or other beauty products. A lot of beauty products use honey, right? Yeah. Like those uh-huh. things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: it's a humectant. It's very good for your skin. Okay,
1: Mm -hmm. Carly. uh, Listeners might not actually know this, but Carly uh, is a graduate of esthetician school as well as journalism mm -hmm. school, and knows all things about beauty Mm -hmm. and skincare. And so
3: we appreciate that about.
1: I
2: make my own mask every week with honey, yogurt, and turmeric.
3: Oh my gosh! Really?
2: Mm -hmm. That's so cool. I used to
3: do mine with uh, honey and avocado.
2: That's a good one too.
3: Wow. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Huh? Listen in for more.
1: Anyway, so, yeah. But anyway, but it sounds like fun. And uh, Lucas Ross is from Minko, and I think is oh, part, of the, Ross,
2: uh, it's his part of the Ross
1: family. Yeah, it's yeah, his it's family's family honey business. production facility. Oh,
2: that makes really sense. Cool.
1: Yeah. So, so nice. yeah. What about you, Ben? Well, we've got the perfect
0: spokesman built in, right? Yeah. Lucas Ross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We love that guy. He's nice. Well, <clears throat> on the first day of cat Christmas, this Friday in Stillwater, my true love gave to me. Exciting performances from Treaty Oak Revival, The Damn Quails, Trenton Fletcher, Matt Williams on the second (laughs) day of Cal Fry Christmas on Saturday in Stillwater. My true love gave to me sets from Tanner Ursi, Tristan Merez, Gannon Fremen, and CCREV and Brady Stetson. On the third day of oh, wow. Calfry Christmas in Stillwater, my true love gave to me absolutely nothing because there's no third day of Calfry Christmas. <laughs> and if you show up, they'll hand you a broom. That's right, listeners. You heard right. It's Stillwater's most magical time of the year at Calfry Christmas, which is returning to the Tumbleweed Dance Hall and Concert Venue. Head into the holidays with a heart full of red dirt. Folk, country, and southern rock jams from local and national artists, which also includes several exciting acoustic performances as a warm-up. This is event. This event is open to all ages, and entry comes with the full guarantee that I will not be allowed up on stage at any time. <laughs> <laughs> Single-day passes are $35, while two-day passes go for $60. Uh, and there are enhanced packages that come with RV hookups available. For more information, call 405-792-0009 or visit calffry.com. Ben's uh, it's kidding, big of
1: course. What you don't know about Ben is that actually he is... Shania Twain.
0: I am Shania Twain. Yeah. On the karaoke stage. (laughs)
2: Yes. That don't impress me. (laughs) Uh, uh,
0: Yes. Oh, that was a good comeback, Carla. Thank you. That's good. (laughs) Nice. Uh, But hey, if you like the show and you still can't get enough, head to oklamatoday.com or pick up our latest issue on newsstands right now. Send your feedback to oktpod at travelok.com and we'll talk to you again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a production of Oklahoma Today magazine and the Oklahoma Tourism and Recreation Department. Your hosts are Oklahoma Today editors, Nathan Gunter, Carly Ibarra, Megan Rossman, and Ben Lucian. Theme song, editing, and production help by Oklahoma Today's production editor, Bridget Sloan. For more information, visit oklahomatoday.com.
2: Goodbye.
0: It's December. It's December.
2: Yay! We Yay!